Luke chapter 23, verse 50, through chapter 24, verse 12, verses 50 through 56. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented in the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was hewn in stone, wherein never before man was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and beheld the sepulchre, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day, according to the commandments. Briquette notes, The circumstances of our Lord's funeral and honorable interment are here recorded by our evangelist. Such a funeral as never was since graves first digged. Where, observed one, our Lord's body must be begged before it could be buried. The dead bodies of malefactors being in the power and at the disposal of the judges that condemned them. Observe, too, the person that begged his body and bestowed a decent and honorable burial upon it. Joseph of Arimathea, a worthy, though a close disciple. Grace doth not always make a public and open show where it is, but as there is much secret treasure in the bowels of the earth, though unseen, so is there much grace in the hearts of some saints, which the world takes little notice of. Observe 3. The mourners that followed our Savior's hearse to the grave, the women which came out of Galilee, a poor train of mourners, the apostles, who should have been most officious to bear his holy body to the ground, were sometime since all scattered, afraid of their own master, either dying or dead. Funeral pomp had been no way suitable either to the end or manner of our Lord's death, and accordingly here is nothing like it. Observe for the grave or sepulchre in which our holy Lord lay. It was a sepulchre hewn out of rock, that so his enemies might have no occasion to say that his disciples stole him away by secret holes and unseen passages underground. It was a new sepulchre, wherein never man was laid before, lest his adversaries should say it was another that was risen, who was buried there before him. And he was buried in a garden, as by the sin of the first Adam we were driven out of the garden of pleasure, the earthly paradise, so by the sufferings of the second Adam, who lay buried in a garden, we may hope for entrance into the heavenly paradise. Observe 5 the manner of our Lord's funeral. It was hasty, open, and decent. Hasty because of the preparation for the Sabbath. Open that all might be spectators, and none might say he was buried before he was dead. Decent, being wrapped up in fine linen and perfumed with spice. Observe 6. The reason why our Lord was thus buried, seeing he was to rise again in a short time as other men lay by the walls. Doubtless it was to declare the certainty of his death, to fulfill the types and prophecies which went before him, as Jonah's being three days and three nights in the whale's belly. He was also buried to complete his humiliation. This was the lowest step to which he could descend in his abased state. In a word, Christ descended into the grave that he might conquer death in its own territories and dominions. Observe 7. Of what use our Lord's burial is to his followers. 
It shows us the amazing depths of his humiliation, from what and to what his love brought him, even from the bosom of his father to the bosom of the grave. It may comfort us against the fears of death and the terrors of the grave. The grave could not long keep Christ. It shall not always keep Christians. It was a loathsome prison before. It is a perfumed bed now. He whose head is in heaven need not fear to put his feet into the grave. Awake and sing, thou that dwellest in the dust, for the enmity of the grave is slain by Christ. Chapter 24 Burkett Notes The last chapter of St. Luke's Gospel contains the history of our Savior's resurrection and gives us an account of what he did upon earth between the time of his glorious resurrection and triumphant ascension. Verses 1-12 through 12. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and, as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, and he ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen cloths laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which had come to pass. Burkett notes, The Lord of life, who was put to death upon the Friday, was buried in the evening of the same day, and his holy body rested in the silent grave all the next day, being the Jewish Sabbath, and some part of the morning following. Thus rose he again the third day, according to the scripture, neither sooner nor later, not sooner, lest the truth of his death should have been questioned, that he did not die at all, not later, that the faith of his disciples should have failed. Accordingly, when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene, getting the other women together, she and they set out very early in the morning to visit the Holy Sepulchre. And about sunrising they get to it, intending with their spices and odors further to embalm the Lord's body. Observe here, one, that although the hearts of these holy women did burn with an ardent zeal and affection to their crucified Lord, yet the commanded duties of the Sabbath are not omitted by them. They keep close and silently spend that holy day in a mixture of grief and hope, a good pattern of Sabbath sanctification and worthy of our imitation. Observe, too, these holy women go, but not empty-handed. She that had bestowed a costly alabaster upon Christ while alive prepares no less precious odors for him now dead, thereby paying their last homage to our Savior's corpse. But what need of odors to perfume a precious body which could not see corruption? True, his holy body did not want them, but the love and affection of his friends could not withhold them. Observe 3. 
how great a tribute of respect and honor is due and payable to the memory of these holy women for their great magnanimity and courage. They followed Christ when his cowardly disciples left him. They accompanied him to his cross. They attended his hearse to the grave. When his disciples did not, durst not appear, and now very early in the morning they visit his sepulchre, fearing neither the darkness of the night nor the presence of the watchman, though a band of rude soldiers. Learn hence that courage and resolution is the special gift of God. He gives it to the feeble sex, even to timorous and fearful women. It shall not be in the power of armed men to make them afraid. But to a close consideration of several circumstances relating to the resurrection of our Holy Lord, note one, with what pomp and triumph our Lord arises. Two men, that is, two angels in the shape of men, verse 4, are sent from heaven to roll away the stone. But could not Christ have risen then without the angels' help? Yes, doubtless he that raised himself could easily have rolled away the stone himself. But God thinks fit to send an officer from heaven to open the prison door of the grave, and by setting our surety at liberty, proclaims our debt to the divine justice fully satisfied. Besides, it was fit that angels who had witnessed our Savior's passion should also be witnesses of his resurrection. Note 2. Our Lord's resurrection declared. He is risen. He is not here. Almighty God never intended that the darling of his soul should be left in an obscure sepulchre. He is not here, said the angels, where you laid him, where you left him. Death has lost his prey, and the grave has lost its prisoner. Note 3. It is not said, He is not here, for he is raised. But, He is risen. Verse 6. The original word imports the active power of Christ, or the self-quickening principle by which Christ raised himself from the dead. Acts 1.3. He showed himself alive after his passion. Hence learned that it was the divine nature or Godhead of Christ which raised human nature from death to life. Others were raised from the grave by Christ's power, but he raised himself by his own power. Note 4. The persons to whom our Lord's resurrection was first declared and made known. To women. To the two Marys. But why to women, and why to these women? To women first, because God sometimes makes choices of weak means for producing great effects, knowing that the weakness of the instrument redounds to the greater honor of the agent. In the whole dispensation of the gospel, God intermixes divine power with human weakness. Thus, the conception of Christ was by the power of the Holy Spirit, but his mother, a poor woman, a carpenter's spouse. So the crucifixion of Christ was in much meanness and outward baseness, being crucified between two thieves, but the power of heaven and earth trembling, the rocks rending, the graves opening, showed a mixture of divine power. Thus here, God selects women to declare that he will honor what instruments he pleases for the accomplishment of his own purposes. But why these women, the two Marys, is the first discovery made of our Lord's resurrection? Possibly it was a reward for their magnanimity and masculine courage. These women claved Christ when the apostles forsook him. They assisted at his cross. They attended at his funeral. They waited at his sepulchre. These women had more courage than the apostles. Therefore God makes them apostles to the apostles. This was a tacit rebuke, a secret check given to the apostles, 
that they should be thus outdone by women. These holy women went before the apostles in the last services that were done for Christ, and therefore the apostles here come after them in their rewards and comforts. Note 5. The quick message which these holy women carried to the disconsolate disciples of the joyful news of our Savior's resurrection. They returned from the sepulchre and told all these things to the eleven. Verse 9. And the other evangelists say that they were sent and bidden to go to the apostles with the notices of the resurrection. Go tell the disciples, says the angel, Matthew 28, 7. Go tell my brethren, says Christ. Verse 10. A most endearing expression. Christ might have said, Go tell my apostate apostles, my cowardly disciples, that left me in my danger and durst not own me in the high priest's hall that durst not come within the shadow of my cross, not within the sight of my sepulchre. But not one word of all this by abrading them for their late shameful cowardice, but all words of divine indulgence and endearing kindness. Go tell my brethren, where Mark, that Christ calls them brethren after his resurrection and exaltation, thereby showing that the change of his condition had wrought no change in his affection towards his poor disciples. But those that were his brethren before, in the time of his humiliation and abasement, are so still after his exaltation and advancement. Go tell my brethren. One thing more must be noted with reference to our Lord's resurrection, and that is, why did he not first choose to appear to the Virgin Mary, his disconsolate mother, whose soul was pierced with a quick and lively sight and sense of her son's suffering, but to Mary Magdalene, who had been a grievous sinner, Doubtless this was for the comfort of all true penitents, and administers great consolation to them. As the angels in heaven rejoice, much more doth Christ in the recovery of one repenting sinner than in multitudes of holy and just persons, such as the Blessed Virgin, who needed no repentance. For the same reason did our Savior particularly name Peter, Go tell my disciples and Peter he being for his denial of Christ swallowed up with sorrow and standing in most need of consolation. Therefore speak particularly to Peter, as if Christ had said, Be sure that his sad heart be comforted with this joyful news that I am risen, and let him know that I am friends with him, notwithstanding his late cowardice.